0: Welcome to Advent, to Holy Cross, and to Get Right for Sunday. The word at Holy Cross this Advent is anticipation. This podcast is designed to get you and me into God's word for this Sunday and beyond. But about Sunday, I've got questions. This Sunday's gospel is a story from Palm Sunday from Lent. Aren't we preparing ourselves for Christmas? Why a story from the week Jesus died? And how does a story from Lent help us anticipate Christmas? Pastor Wright and Vicar Leeper help us out. Hey,
1: Vicar. What? Happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year. I didn't get to set off my fireworks like I wanted to.
1: We still have a chance for the, the pyrotechnics, for sermon, and, well, just worship in general. I, I think we should look at I think we
2: need the... a larger budget for, like, explosive sermon il- illustrations.
1: Explosive sermon illustrations. Well, You'd have to time it just, you know, so you could make that dramatic statement and then yes. sparklers and all sorts of sirens and things like that.
2: I think we could do it. We just have to fireproof the sanctuary. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's a good point, especially a hundred-year-old <laughs> sanctuary. Well, we're going to look at the first Sunday in Advent. It is the text is from St. Mark, chapter eleven, verses one through ten. It's the triumphal entry, which is th-
2: the so-called triumphal
1: you, entry. Ooh, so-called. I like that. We'll, we'll, we'll have to explore that statement. It's interesting because Advent's all about getting ready for baby Jesus yes and we're starting off with the Sunday before his crucifixion this doesn't sound like a happy thing it doesn't sound like yay Jesus is coming
2: see I I think the opposite I actually think this is a great text for Advent Mm -hmm. because this text is all about the anticipation of the coming King and it raises the question who are we anticipating?
1: I like that. And I like the word anticipation because it's all about uh, Advent. Advent is the preparation of the church, of the individual, for the coming of Jesus. Right. And we, in fact, we we have two Advents. Uh, The first Advent is what we are preparing to celebrate. It is the fact that Jesus fulfills all the things of the Old Testament, that the virgin will give birth, that uh, the root, or the, the branch from Jesse's root will come, uh, the son of David, so on and so forth, that is what is fulfilled in the historical act of Jesus being born.
2: So Jesus being born is the culmination of the first advent, the first anticipation.
1: Right. It's what all, it's what the world was waiting for in all the prophecies of the Old Testament. So it's the promise fulfilled. Okay. Now, we, Living on the other side of that promise being fulfilled. Mm -hmm. We live in a different kind of Advent. It's the second Advent.
2: I think you better explain that.
1: The second Advent is the promise that Jesus is coming again. Okay. So we know that he's come once. Uh He did everything he promised to do. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. And now we... Wait, and I like your word, anticipation, because this doesn't mean that, oh, he left, he'll come again. We, with expectation, anticipate his coming again. Yeah. This means that we need to be ready and be prepared. Mm -hmm. And the triumphal entry, I think, really sets the tone for our Advent celebration. Right. It's a little awkward, again, because we're talking about grown-up Jesus Mm -hmm. while we're waiting to celebrate baby Jesus, and we have to remember they're one and the same, right? And that's kind of hard because baby Jesus—he's he's so cute and nice, and just <laughs> in, in the nice little cheeks. manger, yeah, and, yeah. The 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 clean manger—I always like that. It's the clean manger.
2: Well, and just a reminder: a, a manger is a feeding trough, yeah. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys grew up on a farm. I didn't, which is why visiting when it was so jarring to see, oh, this is how animals actually live. Yeah.
1: And so Jesus, in his first advent, is breaking into our time, our space, taking on our flesh.
2: I kind of like that. It sounds kind of science fictiony the way you say that. It,
1: it does. Uh, and it's the idea that um, our, our reality mm-hmm. I- is so much bigger and different than what we think it is because in God in Jesus we're actually connected to the supernatural ooh. and the whole idea of breaking into time space and flesh it becomes mystical right in a good way not not just you know ooh it's something that we we don't know don't understand and it is beyond comprehension mm-hmm. as we participate in this revealed thing event it historically really happened jesus is a real baby a real man a real person and real god all at the same time
2: the theological word for this is is incarnation yes that the god of the universe the god outside of time the god who is in spirit became flesh became a finite human being that we could see touch and hear and came at a specific time, about yes. two thousand years ago, right, um, and this man, this Son of God, came into the world. And how would the world receive him? How would they receive this one who has been anticipated for so long?
1: That that's a great question because you would think the Old Testament, again and again and again and again, the Messiah is coming. We're waiting for the true salvation promised in God's Christ. Mm-hmm. And he shows up. And I think St. John actually says it best. The word became flesh and went to his people, and his people did not receive him. Mm-hmm. That, that's amazing. The people who have been waiting, the people who have had this prophesied to, preached to, taught to, Jesus shows up, and he is not received, which seems contrary to our text, the triumphal entry, which might hint at your statement. Right,
2: I challenged that a minute ago. The so-called
1: triumphal entry. So Jesus coming away from Bethany, Mm -hmm. he just got done doing this humongous event. Right. He raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. Mm-hmm. No mere feat, and I'm sure everybody was talking about it. A pretty big deal. Because it's not like that happens all the time, especially somebody who's been dead for four days. Yeah. So this is fresh on everybody's mind, and he turns and he's going to go to Jerusalem. Now we know he's, he's coming for uh, for Passover. Right. right. Now we know he's coming for his death mm-hmm. because the prophets die in Jerusalem, and Jesus being the prophet has to die in the holy city when well, he actually dies outside, but he's coming to his city.
2: He made it pretty clear to his disciples, too, that he would he would die there.
1: Yeah. And uh, so he goes, and as the text reveals, he needs a ride. And so he sends two disciples, but he explains the situation. I need you to go get me a donkey. I need you to go to this place. Uh, they'll be tied up and just untie them and bring them here. And if anybody asks, what do you what are you doing? Just say the master has need of the donkey. Disciples go. It's believed Saint Peter's one of them, and the owner comes out. What are you doing with my donkey? Well, the master has need of it, and the owner simply says, "Okay." And I think that's interesting <laughs> because yeah. again, we're coming off this huge miracle that everybody's talking about,
2: and there's a lot of debate like. Is Jesus, like, supernaturally seeing this donkey? Has he prearranged this? Is this a, a discussion, an arrangement, or is, you know, does this, you know, guy just take it on on faith and trust? What's going on here? And really, truly, we don't entirely know.
1: Right. And I, I think it's a little of uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus does know what's going to happen. He does see into the future, so to speak, because he's God of God. And it's the, also the idea that he's in control. Does this mean that he set this up, you know, beforehand? No, he just knows what's going to happen, and this really kind of shows his supernatural knowledge. Mm-hmm. And it's not a parlor trick; it's not a, you know, a, a neat a gimmick.
2: What what level of Uber is this that you can summon like donkey colts at, <laughs> at will? Yeah.
1: Oh, that would be. Does
2: that cost less or more?
1: Yeah. <laughs> that. Well, well, oh, that, that's a fascinating aspect because, well, it's one of those things that that always is laid against Jesus. What did he have prearranged? Mm-hmm. How can we explain this away? Right. And well, the, the disciples come back, put Jesus on it, uh, and what's interesting about this is we see that Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, the true holy city, right, and he's received as a king. Now. I'm going to paint a picture. So, dear listener, whatever you're doing, uh, close your eyes unless you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> and think about this. When you think of king, when you think of power, when you think of majesty, when you think of leadership, does the first image come to mind a donkey?
2: You know, for me, and maybe this is because we were talking about it earlier. I have a specific painting in mind that you were telling me about, okay, and it's of Napoleon who I've always related to because I'm short, he's apparently short, um, and yet he conquered so much of Europe, yes. so short people can accomplish great things <laughs> um and it's a picture of him on this like white stallion mm-hmm. rearing up, and he's completely like composed in control, almost regal, yes. And I, I think that's the image in my mind. You put it there, but that's the image.
1: Well, absolutely. You, you think the king. You think conquering. You think armor. You think army. You think power and strength.
2: I, I read a I read an interesting thing that a lot of people in America picture like a Clint East, Eastwood type. Yeah. Like that's that's their image of like this is what a leader is. <laughs> that was terrible. I apologize, listener.
1: Well, at least you didn't try a John Wayne. <laughs> but exactly. So you got this king coming in, and he's riding a donkey. And, and with this, when the disciples put Jesus on, they they put their robes. They try to dress the donkey up. Uh, and the the crowds, they recognized this isn't just a mere person riding a donkey. Mm-hmm. And they, they, in their response, and those who went before and those who followed— we got two groups. two Maybe crowds. those
2: following from Bethany right. from the miracle Jesus got just got off of to the large collection of Jewish people who are gathered for Passover in Absolutely. Jerusalem.
1: Yeah. Um, as Jesus is walking, they shout. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to quote uh, the last uh, two verses, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. This isn't a nice thing to say. It's not even a common thing to say. No. They're recognizing that this Jesus is something different. And they do recognize and receive him as king, as
2: prophet. And that's key. They recognize him as king. They recognize him as a prophet. Right. They recognize him as in the line of David. Mm -hmm. They recognize all of that.
1: And they're so close to something really big. They're
2: so close, but they also miss the most important reason that he's there. They also miss the most important thing that he is, mm-hmm. Messiah and Son of God.
1: Absolutely. So they, they, they like the, the imagery of king and prophet because mm-hmm. the king is going to rule and the prophet's going to do God stuff. Yeah. Without necessarily being God. So just supernatural things. Let, let's say that. So they want that. They're going to look forward to it. And so they give him this honor. And we see by Jesus riding a donkey, this is a position, a posture of submission, while at the same time receiving the honor of praises as king.
2: This calls back some Old Testament events and memories as well uh, of the kings entering in on donkeys.
1: Well, um, King uh, Jehu, Mm -hmm. uh, J-E-H-U, in the second uh, Kings, He's anointed king, and everybody lays their robes, and he walks. Yeah, uh, But it is, that is a recognizing of king and his kingship and his authority. And, yeah, and so the,
2: there's no two ways about it. This is a recognition of his kingship. Right. But a kingship to what? Well, and of what kind of king?
1: Right, and uh, we need to remember that Jerusalem, the Jews, they're being ruled over by Rome, and they don't particularly like it. Uh, Rome is demanding taxes. And on top of that, uh, the very Jews are the tax collectors for Rome. They're considered traitors, and that's why they're, they're hated so much. So Rome is even able to turn their own people against themselves. And so when you have a king coming in, maybe this is the one who's going to show Rome what's what. Yeah. We're finally going to get our what we deserve. And we deserve to rule over you. We finally have someone who is going to come with the the power of God. I mean, after all, he's done these humongous miracles. He's raising people from the dead. Of course, God must really like this guy. Here's our chance.
2: The closest Israel's gotten to a prophet king before was King David, who was anointed by God and was also king. So many of the other Israelites' kings were terrible. Yes. So many of the other prophets of Israel were rejected. Uh, but this Jesus comes in, and they're like, ah, this guy's the total package. Yeah. He's the chance here for us to overthrow these rulers, for us to kind of run this political revolution and get our city and our, our country back. And in hoping for that, they completely miss the bigger picture. Completely. And I think this is important. Right. Because this helps us understand the apparent 180 mm-hmm. that they make from Palm Sunday to Good Friday. Yeah. Because I always, I always thought that was hard. Like, how do these people who, like, are so accepting of Jesus and so excited to see him on Sunday, how are they shouting crucify him on what? Thursday?
1: Thursday, Friday, yeah.
2: Thursday, Friday. Um, and the answer is they never quite saw him yeah. for who he was. They wanted a king who would overthrow the Roman rule. And when they saw Jesus subjugated to the Roman governor Pilate, mm-hmm. put under him clearly not victorious they realized that he wasn't who they thought he was
1: yep Where, where's my king Where, where's the army how are we going to overthrow Rome right if you can't even stand up to this weak governor hmm and uh, uh,
2: that the Clint Eastwood Savior yeah. has has clearly failed uh, he's he's completely lost. He's been captured by the enemies. Yeah. Uh, and this is not the type of leader that they want, not the type of leader we often want.
1: Well, and, and I think that's the great point, especially for this text, and especially as we prepare for Advent. Because we have a question that is kind of floating on the fringe of this. Mm-hmm. Who is this Jesus? And is this the Jesus you want to come?
2: Ooh. Yeah, that's a,
1: that's a big question. Because... I, I get it. I want a Jesus who is powerful, strong, doesn't take anything from anybody who, who fights for me. Exactly. You know, I feel
2: like the the as I look around at a lot of other other people right now, what they really want is someone to like fight for them right. To, like, do the dirty work that we can't do and, and take down our enemies and punch them in the jaw.
1: Yeah, the true champion that that, yeah. that uh, is not afraid of anybody and can beat everybody up. And it's violent and it's power and it's strength in its pure, raw form.
2: And this is just not who Jesus is. Right. Jesus is not Clint Eastwood. No. Come to destroy our enemies.
1: And the, one of the things that I like is... When we look at the Jesus who is promised in the Old Testament, uh-huh. obviously these Jews are very disappointed. Uh, they, they got the excitement, oh finally the King, oh not that king.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What do we look forward to yeah. or what are we looking in Jesus? you know are we looking for the, the hipster Jesus who is always smiling and laughing and, and is in a good mood that we want to sit and have beer with? Or is it the moralistic Jesus who's going to point out everybody else's, and I always love that, everybody else's problems?
2: Well, Jesus says to love your enemies, Mm. and I've only ever used people apply that to other people and say they should be loving their enemies. Exactly. I've never heard someone do what Jesus told them to do, turn that on themselves and say, I should love my
1: enemies. Right. And with this, it's a very humbling and um, truly the whole use of the law as mirror. Right, It shows us that we too often want to impose ourselves upon Jesus. We think Jesus should act like this, do this, be like this. And I'm always, always shocked that uh, many times when I'm reading the Bible or even praying, I I am shocked at how many things uh, God likes that I like and how many (laughs) things that... I dislike that God also dislikes. I I find that kind of interesting and a little eerie. Well, maybe that's a sign
2: that you're reading yourself into the text, and that's what we have to to watch out for. You know, with this Advent season coming up, this is a great time to turn back to your Bibles, especially the Gospels, and read them letting go of some of the lenses you often have, letting go of this picture of who Jesus might be and who who he is in our heads, and looking at the Jesus that actually came and not being afraid to not explain everything away.
1: Right. Absolutely. Cuz Jesus is
2: the Jesus coming is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um it's not always what we want. I mean, let's take a look at, you know, Jesus comes in, he's accepted as this king and within a few days he will be crowned king with a crown of thorns mm-hmm. as the sign above his said re- reads as a sign above his head reads king of the Jews and he reigns from a cross, right. suffering, dying in complete and utter total weakness to give us full salvation and forgiveness of sins.
1: Well, and I, I think that that uh, imagery of weakness, he's riding a donkey. Oh, yeah. And, and donkeys are cheap, they're easy, you can find them anywhere and everywhere, and not in the modern sense, but they were anywhere and everywhere. Mm-hmm to find a horse, to find a camel, to find something that was big and mighty. Well, that was expensive, a lot more care, and so on and so forth. But, But this idea of weakness. On the cross that our Lord reigns from, there is his full power and might. Yes. Conquering your sin, my sin, your death, my death, your hell, my hell. There is the power and might that we truly revel in. And often don't see, because again, going back to the Jews, looking at Jesus standing on trial, why? Why why are you letting them do this? Can't you do something? Can't you use your prophetic ability to to, to bring down God and you know so on and so forth? But there he is in his meekness, in what looks to be weakness, showing his strength, his submission. And bringing us into this so that we will have the fullness of what he earns. Victory, salvation, forgiveness, life. And these are the things that Advent prepares us for as we anticipate the fullness of this in the resurrection, the the second coming.
2: As we wait for the the second Advent. But we also remember this first Advent when God came down in complete meekness and weakness as a helpless baby,
0: yes.
2: this is what we're looking forward to and and back at during this season, uh, the coming of of Christ into the world as a baby, for us, and also His coming again to set the world completely right.
1: It is truly the the, the full revelation of what God promises, of who and what He is, and this is not only what we prepare for, but what we anticipate. And what every Sunday is about, every Sunday is a little Christmas, every Sunday is a little Easter, and every Sunday is a little Advent. Dear listener, the joy of this podcast is truly fun. I mean, you can see the big smile on, on Vicar's face over there. With this, we hope that not only do you enjoy, that you learn, but that you like this and share it. This is the gospel of Christ our Lord for the salvation of all. And we hope and pray through this podcast you're edified and that you share this so that others may hear the promise of the God who has broken into our time, our space, and our flesh for our salvation. Please like and share this, and please feel free to contact us so that we may further this conversation. God's peace and blessings be upon you.
0: Pastor and Vicar, thanks for answering my questions. Do you have more questions? Feel free to contact Pastor Wright and Vicar Leeper at getrightforsunday at gmail.com. We hope this has helped you prepare for Sunday and beyond. Services at Holy Cross Lutheran Church are six o'clock Saturday evening and eight and 945 Sunday morning. At eight o'clock service is live streamed on our Facebook page and our website. If you have enjoyed being part of this conversation, please share it with others so that they may benefit as well. Thanks for joining us. We hope to see you next week to Get Right for Sunday.